1 to 12. Uh, I'm going to be titling this sermon today is Negative Words. Negative Words. If you don't have a Bible, you can definitely use mine. I know it will be bigger than anyone else's here. James chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brother and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw from fresh you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. May the Lord bless his reading. Heavenly Father, we ask that during this time now as we go into your word, Father, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and challenge the negative words that are inherently within us, that we would begin to speak words of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I was preparing for this morning, I came across a statistic where it said that the average woman speaks 20,000 words, not a month, Not a week. Not within 24 hours. A day. Well, yeah. You know what I was trying to say. (laughs) 20,000 words a day. The average male speaks 7,000 words a day. Does that... that... So I, I guess it makes sense when your husband comes home... And you, as your wife, as the wife is trying to talk to him, he's like, I ain't got nothing left. I used it all up at work today. But, but listen to this. Listen to this. Think about it. If women speak 20,000 words a day, average 20,000 words a day, that's 7.3 million words a year. 7.3. For a guy who speaks about 7,000 words a day, That's 2.5 million words a year. Like, that's a lot of words coming out of your mouth. That's a lot of words coming out of your lips. 
So, so here's my question this morning. Out of the millions of words that we speak, that we articulate, that comes out of our mouths, how many of those are positive? How many of those are life-giving? How many of those are even encouraging? Like, if you were to take an inventory of all the words that come from your lips, how many of those words are blessings? How, how many of those words have changed lives? If we look on the flip side of this, how many of those words are negative? How many of those words have d- done more harm than good? How many of those words have divided people? The things that we say to our children, the things that we say to our coworkers, the things that we say to our teachers or our neighbors or the people around us, the things that we even say to the people in this church, how many of those words are positive in comparison to negative? Now, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, I'm not the government. I'm not tracking you down. I'm not listening to every single thing that you say. But I wonder, do we understand that whenever you open up your mouth, open your lips, that you're either speaking life or death. And I want us to know that this goes beyond just you being a member here at Christ Community Church. We say that our heart is really to be a life-giving church. This goes beyond you just being a member, but as a Christian, as a believer, as a Christ follower, we are called to speak life. We are called to build up. We are called to encourage others, not called to tear people down. We are not called to gossip. We are not called to speak death. I wonder, do we know what we are called to as believers? I believe many of us at one point or another throughout our lifetime, we had said some things to some individuals that we wish we could take back. But the truth is, the moment that it's released, the moment that it's out there, it's out there. Or maybe there's a text that you sent Man, ah, I wish I could take it back. As I, as I was working on this, writing this, I was thinking, man, out of all the updates that Apple has done, it would be amazing if one of the updates that they do that you have within 24 hours to delete a text that you send to someone. Or for, for some of us who don't know what Apple is, it may be, maybe you sent an email. You sent an email and you're like, man, I, 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 I wish I didn't send it. I wish it didn't go. I wish I could delete it. But once it's out there, it's already out there. In March 1862, a Christian newspaper released a nursery rhyme for kids to recite to themselves when they're being bullied by other individuals, by other people. Nursery rhyme goes like this. Now, I just want to make sure that I say this. Even though it was found originally in a Christian newspaper, I don't believe it's true. The rhyme says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, words will never hurt me. This morning, I want to go on record, and I want to say that sticks, stones, I got some New Yorkers here, snowballs, they hurt. But some of the deepest wounds, some of the deepest bruises that I've felt in my life are the words. The words that people have spoken over me, the the things that people have said about me, the the negative opinions that people have conveyed to me of how they feel about me, of how much they don't like me. Which is why for so many of us, when we are all alone and we are by ourselves, 
will hear those voices continue to play, even though it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. It sounds like it was just said yesterday. It sounds like it was just said last week. It's loud and clear in our ears. You still hear the ringing of what your spouse said to you a few months ago. You still hear the ringing of what your son or daughter said to you. I hate you, mom. You still hear the ringing of what... What, 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 what your mother or your father said to you, get out of my house. I don't love you anymore. You still hear these ringings in your ear, and it's loud and clear. This morning, I want to talk about the negative words that we say, but also about the power within the, the positive words that comes from our lips. The passage that we read is from the brother James, or I can say Pastor James. Pastor James, he starts this passage and he wants to make sure that we know and we understand the magnitude of how powerful our words are. Let's take a look at this, start off in verse 1. James says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. James right here is basically laying down the foundation to both men and women, emphasizing how important, emphasizing the weight of our words, the things that we articulate. James is saying, if you're going to talk about God, you better come correct. If you're going to talk about God, make sure what you're saying about God and what God is saying about himself lines up. God, God says, if you want to open up your mouth and include me into your conversation, don't twist what I say. Don't tweak what I say. Don't adjust it just for your simply religious preferences. Don't change it just because you like the way it says, though you've been, that's how you've been taught, but you've never got into the word. What does God say about himself? And the reason why is because God knows that there is power in the words that we articulate. God knows that once you open your mouth, it can either impact someone negatively or positively. So that's why James says, you will be judged more strictly. So make sure that when you speak about God, it's true and it's consistent to his character and not simply to what's convenient to you. James uses this as a platform as he begins to launch into three points that I want to discuss this morning. The first thing that I, that I see James highlights here is that James shows us that my words direct where I go. My words direct where I go. Your words direct the direction and the course of your life. If you want to know where you are headed, look at the words that have been coming out of your mouth. If, 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 if you're concerned about where your life is right now, what has been happening in your life these past few days, these past few weeks, examine what you've been saying. Examine what you've been articulating. Examine, about, examine the conversation you've been having with others or even with yourself. Because the words, the words that we have, they're, they're, they're powerful. Your words have power. Your words shape your destiny. They determine the path that you follow. James, he continues in verse 2, he says, Indeed, definitely, we all, I think that includes every single one of us here, we all make many mistakes, not some mistakes, not partial mistakes, many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, and we could also control ourselves in every other way. 
James says we all make mistakes. One translation says we all got problems. Another translation says we all stumble. So many of us in here, I can say some of us have financial problems. Some of us have marital problems. Some of us, we stumble on how we handle our relationships. We stumble on how we raise our kids. Many of us have made mistakes throughout our lives. Many of us have made mistakes even at our jobs. We have all made mistakes. We've all stumbled over some things. We've all had some problems in our lives. James is basically saying everyone got something that they're dealing with. But James, he doesn't stop right there. He says, we all got problems. We all got issues. And James continues on and he says, but if you can control your tongue, if you can control your your mouth, if you can control what's coming out of your mouth, then you'll be able to control the rest of your life. James, James is saying, in the midst of everything you have going on wrong, in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, if we can get this one thing right, God will take care of the rest. God says, give me your lips, and I'll take care of your life. God says, let me sanctify your lips, and I'll give your life structure like it never had before. But all I'm asking for is your mouth. All I'm asking for is your words. All I'm asking for is your lips. God says, I'm just asking for one thing. Can I take it a step further? James chapter 1, verse 26. It says, if you claim to be religious, in the Greek, religious, meaning if you claim to be serving God, Alright? If you claim to be serving God, but don't control your tongue, you are what? I hope we're reading the same Bible. You are what? Fooling yourself. And your religion, meaning your service to God. And your service to God is what? James is saying right here, you can be a worthless Christian. And the proof that you are a worthless Christian is that you can't control your tongue. You can't control what comes out of your mouth. You can't control what you say. So your value to God or your lack of value to God is all in your mouth, your tongue, your lips. So everything you're doing, quote unquote, in the name of God, for God, as a service to God is basically a waste of time because you can't control how you talk to people. You can't control how you talk to yourself. So your church attendance is a waste. Your serving is a waste. Your giving is a waste. Your spiritual activities are a waste because you just say whatever you want, when you want, how you want to anyone you see. You can't control your lips. It's a waste. It's a waste. Let's go back. James 3, verse 3. James, right now, he, he wants us to really understand the power that's in our tongues. It says, James 3, verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. James is basically saying that your tongue is as powerful as a horse's bit. I got a picture here. I know we were in the hood. I don't know. I've never seen any horses down here. This is a bit right here, that metal part in the middle. That's about three inches. That bit goes into the horse's mouth. Now, some of you guys are looking, well, how does this 
how does this, um, um, how, do, how, does, how does this impact a horse? You see, as small as it is, don't despise the smallness of it. Don't despise how small it is. Regardless of how small it is, it has the power to direct and to drive a 1,500-pound beast. The direction of a horse is not led by its legs, not its eyes, but this three-inch bit inside its mouth. It's the bit inside the horse's mouth that directs the direction that the horse is going to. With this bit in its mouth, you can move it to the left, move it to the right. You could steer the whole 1,500 pounds of this horse. So if I have the bit in the horse's mouth, I can control the body of the horse. The whole 1,500 pounds can move. If I can move the entire 1,500 pounds, I can direct and dictate the direction that the horse is going. What James is trying to help us to understand here is that if we can control our mouth, we can control our body. If we can control our body, we can choose the direction that we're heading towards. Because your words have the power to control your destiny. It has the power to control your life. It can shape exactly where you are heading. It can bring order or chaos into your life. James wants us to understand to not minimize the value and the power that your words have. Because this 1,200-pound beast, wild beast, can get out of control. But the way to bring it to control is by putting the bit, the three-inch bit into his mouth. So if your life is out of control, if your anger is out of control, if your habits are out of control, if your behavior is out of control, if your character is out of control, God is saying, if you find yourself out of control, I dare you to control what you're saying. I dare you to control your conversations. I dare you to control the words that are coming out of your mouth. I dare you to control what comes out of your mouth. And watch how you can steer a 1,200-pound beast worth your life. How you could steer it in the right direction. Because your words have power. Tell your neighbor, control your words. Control your words. James knew that I was going to be preaching this in Miami. So he's like, they might not understand the horses. Let's talk about boats. Verses 4. And a small rudder makes a huge ship. I know we've seen ships down here. A huge ship turned wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. James, he's continuing. He says, even in the midst of storms, even in the midst of heavy waves, the direction of a boat is not determined by the winds and the storms, but by a small rudder. Let's, let's see where the, what the rudder looks like. That's that blue thing right there. It just flaps. James is saying just a small rudder would be able to dictate the direction of the boat. In other words, James wants us to understand that when the storms of life comes and you feel like you're being tossed up and down, swayed back and forth, you're one way today, you're another way tomorrow, you're blown by every single situation and the people in your life. James says, while you're taking care of everything else, trying to fix everything else, reacting to everything else, God says, you're missing the rudder. You're underestimating the rudder. It's your mouth that's the problem. It's your lips that's setting the course of your life. 
Because no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter what, how strong the winds are, or how big the waves are, it's that small rudder. We minimize the small things in life. It's the side conversations you're having. It's the text messages. It's the emails. It's the late night calls. It's those small little disagreements. James says we're missing the small thing because it's the small things that becomes the big things. James says don't minimize the small things. James wants us to be aware of how powerful our words are because our words will dictate and direct the course of our lives. So number one, my words direct where I go. But number two, my words can destroy what I have. My words can destroy what I have. Our words have the power to destroy everything that we have. Let's continue on. Let's see what James is saying. Verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. When I was in New York, living in New York, I think I was in high school, I had a friend of mine, and he volunteered at the local fire department in the town that I lived in. Now, I I came from, born and raised in Spring Valley, Spring Valley, New York. Nothing happens in Spring Valley. All right. Spring Valley is not like Miami. So here it is, my friend volunteered at the fire department, and, you know, we don't get um, constant calls, you know, to put out fires and all that stuff now. So my friend wanted to help the fire department, and he said, you know what, I'm going to take it upon myself to increase our calls. Yeah. So he started going around town starting fires in random places, random buildings. They were abandoned, abandoned sheds. And so these abandoned buildings started burning down. Abandoned sheds were burning down. Debris, they were just in flames. And the calls picked up. So they, they started going out more often. And, but as the calls picked up for the team, the calls decreased for him because eventually he got caught and locked up, so he couldn't go back and do that again. But every fire started with a little spark. Even though it was the little spark, it burned an entire shed down. All the debris that was there went up in flames because all it took was a little spark. All it took was a little flame. Because sometimes all it might take is just a little tweet that you wish you could delete. All it might take is just a little text that you wish you never sent. All it might take is just a little post that you wish no one ever saw. All it might take is just a little comment that you wish no one ever heard. Because although your tongue may be small, when it unleashes stuff, things catch on fire. I don't know if you guys have ever been around a verbal arsonist where every time they speak, they spew out fire. If you haven't met one, you might be the one that that I'm talking about. 
where every time you are around them, they're speaking death, they're speaking judgments, negativity, pessimistic, nothing's ever going to work, nothing's ever going to happen. It's always, everything's always dying around them. It's always black, it's always death around them. It's all doom, gloom and doom. Every time they open up their mouth, it seems like everyone around them happens to get burnt. And what James is saying is that your tongue, even though it's so small, it can spark a fire that can destroy an entire forest. It can destroy everything in your life, everything you have, even though it was a small spark. And some of us here today can attest to that because regardless of how old we are, how grown we think we are as male and female, we're still burning from the sparks from 10, 20 years ago. Fiery words that was released over our lives, that was spoke over us, that we're still trying to shake off from what someone said to us that still has a little flame on the inside of us. James continues on and says in verse 6, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by who? By who? By hell itself. Did did you guys see that? James says that your words can create a train reaction to the point your entire life is affected. It'll start today. It won't completely blow up today. But every day... Every day, it begins to increase and increase and increase. Why is it increasing? Because hell takes advantage of every spark that you create with your words. You know why? That's why it's easy to lie. That's why it's easy to gossip on people. That's why it's easy to speak negatively on others. That's why it's easy to create division within a church. Because hell always adds fuel to the spark. It's easy to have people gather together and we could, you know, have a, have a, have a, have a, um, um, a sad party and, you know, just, just be sad and, and, and just talk about other individuals and just talk negatively. It's easy to do all that. Let me find some individuals that, that I can encourage or that can encourage me. No one picks up their phone call. But if you want to be a part of my pity party, yeah, come on. Let's, I'll, I'll volunteer my house. But if we're going to have a life group, no, 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 no. Not my house, not my house, no, no, no. But if we're going to complain and talk about someone else, girl, come on over. I was about to bu- um, buy a box of pizza. And free food? James, James is basically telling us that hell is influencing our words. Hell sets your words on fire, and it's a ripple effect into your entire life. So even though you might not be going to hell, you have the power to unleash hell with your lips. I'm not going to hell. Pastor, pastor, I'm saved. Do you know how long I've been in this church? Do you know how much I've done for the kingdom? Like, I love God. I'm a follower of Jesus. But somehow, you still have the ability to unleash hell on the people that's around you. 
Marriages are being destroyed because hell took advantage of a spark. Churches are dividing because hell took advantage of a spark. Families are being broken because hell took advantage of a spark. People have lost their jobs because hell took advantage of a spark. Friendships have been broken or lost because hell took advantage of a spark. And this morning, I just want to bring this to light to you. Because if we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, if we are called to share this life-giving message of Jesus, if we are called to be a life-giving church, we need to be life-giving people where we are intentionally speaking life to other people, intentionally building others up rather than tearing them down, intentionally speaking hope and life. So try to tear people down. We need to be intentional about the words that are coming out of our mouth. James doesn't stop there, and he continues, and he says in verse 7, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison, meaning it's, it's a venom. And this is going to be my last point. My words display who I am. My words display who I am. I believe that you can hear people's character by the words that come out of their mouth. I, I don't have to judge your heart. I can, I can hear your words. I can accumulate all the lies that you said. I can accumulate how much you talk about other individuals, and I can already tell the type of individual, the type of person that you are, because your words will bring clarity to the character of who you are and the type of person that you are. I believe many of us can say that there's been some inconsistencies in our lives, where the words that I speak don't match up with my actions, don't match up with the person that I say that I am. And James knows that you would ask this question. So James continues on in the passage. In verse 9, James says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. How is it that we could walk into church on Sunday morning and we sing, I am a friend of God. We sing, do it again, God. We sing, break every chain. We sing praises to God. And then we walk out of this room. And out of the same tongue, the same mouth that we've just finished singing, praises to God. We judge. We gossip. We curse. And talk bad about others. How, how is it? How is that possible? How can we do that? That we praise Jesus here on Sunday morning in the sanctuary. Some of us, we don't even wait till Monday, right in the lobby, right in the parking lot. That same night, I can't wait till Monday. I got to let this out. And yet we're supposed to be different. Yet we call ourselves Christians. Where, where is this coming from? James continues and he's trying to give us an explanation here. Verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James is talking to Christians here. And he's saying, how can you bless and curse someone? Now, just for clarity purposes, when James is talking about curse, he's not talking about profanity. 
But since the discussion has come up, profanity. If we can be honest this morning, if all you do is cuss and have profanity, I want to let you know this morning, you just look immature. How can you say that you are a child of God, you're a follower of Christ, and yet there's still profane words that are coming out of your mouth? How can you say that you are a representation of Jesus Christ, but yet you still allow profane words to come out of your mouth, but yet you have confessed to be a follower of Christ? My plea and my call to you this morning, just stop. Just stop. If you really want to follow Christ, control your words. Here, here in this passage, when James says cursing, he's, he's referencing to tearing people down. James, at the end, is helping us understand that there are only two types of words that will come out of our mouths. It will either be, number one, blessing to build people up or cursing to tear people down. Out of the thousand words that we speak every single day, it's either one, blessing to build people up, or two, cursing to tear people down. How can we fix this? Verse 11, does a spring of water bubble with both fresh water and bitter water? Verse 2, does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty springs. And he stops right there. James stops right there in this discussion. So I'm asking James, James, how do we fix this tongue issue? How do I fix this issue with my lips? I don't want to be blessed, have blessings and cursing coming out the same, my same, the same lip. How do I fix? James like, I, I just gave you the solution right there. James says, if you have a fresh water well, it can only come, on, that the only thing that can come out of it is fresh water. If you have a bitter or salty water, the only thing that can come out of it is bitter or salty water. In other words, James is trying to help us understand fresh water can't come out of a bitter well. James is telling us that truthfully, the problem is not with your tongue. Because your tongue is just simply repeating what it hears from its source. You don't have a tongue problem. What is it that Jesus says? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not a tongue problem you have. It's a heart problem. Your tongue is simply a byproduct of what's already on the inside of you. You're, you're texting this, you're saying this, man, I shouldn't have said that. Man, I, I didn't intend to say that. I didn't, I didn't want to say that. That's not like me. James like, no, no, no. It is like you. It's already in you. What you're saying has been deeply rooted right here. The argument, you've been holding on for quite some time. It's been boiling up. That gossip, you just waiting for the right person to sell it to. James is saying, this is already in you. And what's in your heart is simply just coming out. 
is simply being exposed through your words. So maybe today I might have made a mistake. Maybe it's not an inventory of our words that we need to look at. It's not simply examining our words. Maybe it's really a heart check. Maybe it's examining your heart. What's in your heart? What's deeply rooted in your heart? And because it's a heart problem, that's a serious problem. So, as I end here, how do we resolve this? Resolution. One thing I can suggest, and I think it's a pretty good suggestion, is you need a new heart. You need a new heart. You see, many of us, we know Jesus intellectually, but never really personally or intimately or relationally or spending time with him to allow what, what's the character of, of him to be embedded on the inside of us, allowing his love to be rooted on the inside of us. Maybe the reason why you don't love others is because you haven't fully realized God's love for you deeply in your heart. And we're all over the place. Not realizing that it's a heart problem that we have. And Christ is like, just turn. Repent. Turn towards me. And allow me to give you a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone. Is gone. Why? Because a new life is beginning. Some of us, it's a new heart that we need. And once we have this new heart, that means that our, we've made an about face towards Christ. Where we've given him our lives. So number one, I'll say maybe it's a new heart. For some of you who are maybe already Christians, you've already given your life to Christ. You have a relationship with him. But you realize there's still blessing and cursing coming out of your lips. A second option I would say is ask God to guard your mouth. Ask God to guard your heart. Like, seriously, when was the last time that you prayed, Lord, guard my heart. Guard my lips. Guard it so that it's only blessings that are coming out. Guard it so that it's only life that's coming out and not cursing it. I'm not tearing people down. I'm not bringing people down. Like, if you've gone through a bad day at work, before you get out the car, before you get out the vehicle, before you have any interaction with someone else, even though you've had a bad day, a bad morning, a bad evening, whatever the case is, Lord, before I go speak to them, before I go into this job, before I go into my home, before I enter into this church, guard my heart, guard my lips. Guard it so that the only thing that comes out of my, life, my, my mouth is life. Is words that it can encourage and lift someone up. Like, can you just imagine if every single person in here, before they entered into this building, if they prayed that prayer, guard my heart, guard my lips, how different our church would be? Because everyone's being encouraged by someone else. Everyone's being lifted up by someone else. Everyone's being prayed for by someone else. We're all interceding for each other. So all needs are being met. 
Because I prayed that the Lord would guard my heart and guard my lips. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the direction, the course, the destiny, the path of your life. We so easily expose and open our hearts to everything in this world. And we wonder why it's only cursing that's coming out. We wonder why it's all, it's all pessimistic talk. We wonder why it's all negative talk. Because we're not guarding our hearts and we're not guarding our lips. David knew this, so he said in Psalm 141, Take control. Take control. Take control of what I say, Lord. Because I know there's a lot of things that I say. <laughs> No one would want to hear it. Not my mother, not my father, not my husband, not my wife. No one would want to hear the words that I say. So, Lord, take control of my speech. And the last thing I would like to suggest, which I believe many of us, we, we've heard this before. I know my father, he told me this time and time again. But at the same time, I believe it's a challenge for many of us. Think before you speak. Think before you speak. Some of you are like, man, Pastor, that's simple, man. That's, that's easy. That's, that's why I came for church this morning. I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. To think before you say something. James chapter 1 verse 19, he says, You must all be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Quick to listen. And slow to speak. And if you're quick to listen, you're slow to speak, you're slow to be angry. (laughs) I wonder sometimes, do we read the Bible? Do we read the Word of God? If you're quick to listen, you'll be slow to speak, and there'll be less angry people. I believe verbal arsonists or all of the arguing that happens, or I believe that we'll see a lot more lives change if many individuals, many people would be slow to speak, if they would guard their hearts and guard their lips. Where out of the thousand words that we say throughout the day, there'll be less negative ones and more positive ones, more ones that are filled with the, with the word of God, life-giving words that would do less harm. As I was preparing for this, I came across this. It says that every week we speak enough words to write a book. Every week we speak enough words to write a book. So as we come to a close, my question to you is, what book are you writing? What book are you writing? Is the topic of your book gossip? Is the topic of your book drama? Or is is your book just full of lies? Or can I find somewhere in your book that someone's life was changed? Can I find somewhere in your book that the Lord was able to use you to impact someone? The book that you wrote last week, what was it about? As we enter into a new week, the book that you're writing this week, what are you going to intentionally make it about? What does your book say about you? 
what does your book say about you? Let's bow our heads. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death, or the tongue can bring life. As we close out this day and head over to the park, my question to you, my encouragement to you, I guess what I would say is, are you going to be intentional about bringing life? When are you going to get to a point where you say, I'm going to stop bringing death? I'm going to stop killing people with my lips. Stop destroying lives with my lips. When are we going to change? If we say that we're Christians, I know we say, you know, look at the actions, the behaviors. But don't forget your words. Don't forget your words. Heavenly Father, we come to you as humble as we can. And many of us here today have been fighting negative words, have been realizing that blessings and cursings are both coming out of our lips. And we've been Christians, believers, for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, Father, I thank you in the midst of the lifetime, the lifespan that we have been believers, that we have given our lives to you, that your grace is still available for us here even today. Where you have given us the Holy Spirit to challenge us, the words that are coming out of our lips. Where this morning you're challenging challenging us to speak words of life, to finally get to a point where we realize how much or how, how much our, our words weigh, the weightiness of the words that come out of our mouths and how our lives can change, our marriages can change, our relationships can change, our place of employment can change if we could just realize how much value our words have. If you are here this morning where you say, Pastor, you know what? I realize that that first point that you made, that first suggestion of maybe the, the fact, the truth is that I need a new heart. I haven't realized that it was really a heart problem that I had. I kept blaming, you know, just my, my, my parents. I kept blaming just how I was raised, my, my culture, my environment. That's why I talk the way that I talk. That's why I use the words that I use. But if you say, you know what? I really do need a new heart. 
I've never made the decision to be in relationship with Jesus, where I've given him my life. And today I want to make a decision where I say, you know what? I no longer want cursing and blessing coming out of my lips, but I want to see lives changed, lives impacted, and see how God can use me through that. And you say, you know what? It's a new heart that I need. It's a relationship with Christ. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. Where you can pray in your heart. Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord. I believe that you came for me. I believe also that you died for me. And I also believe that you raised for me. And because you live, you can give me a heart that is new, that is fresh, that is alive. That can change the direction of my life. And so I accept you in my life. And I believe my life will never be the same again. It's not, the power is not in the words that we pray, but it's in the belief that we have in our hearts. That he is who he says he is. That he can do what he says he can do. And that change is possible because of him. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for what you have already done and already accomplished. Father, this morning we are releasing our lips to you, our mouths to you, our words to you, our conversations to you. We are releasing it to you as we also give our hearts to you. May it be transformed and we see more lives change more lives impacted because of what you have already done. And it's your precious name we pray. Amen. Can we give God some praise?